I'm excited for today's message because it's going to be done differently. First of all, you may have already noticed that our scripture upon which we're focusing this morning is a single verse. It's just James 1.27. And I'm excited for the opportunity to really zero in on what this verse means, to take a deep dive into God's word this morning. And secondly, I'm excited because I get to share the message this morning. I get to share it with Jen Lake, who is not only the wife of our lead pastor, Matt Lake, but is also the executive director of Dwell, a nonprofit which seeks to provide support to foster and adoptive families here in Lycoming County and beyond. What we're gonna do is first, I will um, unpack and walk through what I believe this verse says and means to us. And then secondly, Jen will have the opportunity to share with you how Dwell is putting this into practice and how you can become involved in caring for orphans and vulnerable children like foster children. You might wonder, why are we focusing on this today? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons. First, as a church, we want to be a blessing to our community. We can't support every good thing that's happening in our community, and we want to be able to make a significant impact on ministries that align with our vision of seeing transformation in Christ. And so in addition to the community ministries and outreach that happen through the ministries of the church, we also have identified six organizations that we are committed to support at this time. And Dwell is currently one of those organizations. Also, since May is National Foster Care Month, it's the month that we have chosen to highlight Dwell. But we're also passionate about being a church that seeks transformation in Christ. And what we know about transformation in Christ is that it happens when our faith is both here and here. When faith is both what we believe and who we become. When it is talking the talk and walking the walk. And that's been a challenge recently, hasn't it? With all the limitations of social distancing. I've had a number of people ask me, um, what can I do? There are people who are looking for ways to serve. Well, Jen is gonna offer some very practical ways that you could be a blessing to vulnerable children right here in Lycoming County. And one of the questions that Jen often asks is what's your something? Because we can all do something for the vulnerable people around us. If you've been worshiping with us recently, you may know that we just finished a series on close encounters with Jesus. When the disciples met the risen Christ after the Easter morning resurrection. And next week, we're going to jump into a series in which we look at the book of Acts and focus on how God's love is on the move. And what does that mean for us as a church? Today provides a link between these two series because those who have encountered Jesus personally will be people who are actively on the move to share the love of Jesus. And today we're going to look at one way those who encounter Jesus personally can tangibly share God's love in our world today, and that's by coming to the rescue of people who are vulnerable. But we need to start, as always, with what God has to say about all of this. And so I want to invite you to turn to the New Testament letter written by James. And as we turn to that scripture, I want to invite us to turn to God in prayer. 
So will you pray with me, please? Gracious God, we give you thanks for your love, for your love which we experience in Jesus, for your love which you invite us to share with others. So God, we pray that you will open both our minds and our hearts to what you have to say to us today about how we can be a people who love others, especially the most vulnerable around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, James writes in the first chapter, verse 27, you've heard it already, but James writes, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now let's start with just the very first word, religion. And that word may have some baggage for you. A lot of people today are not interested in religion. Even people who are a part of a church may not be interested in religion because our culture has shifted to a culture that people wanna be spiritual, but not religious. For some people, religion conjures up an image of dusty hymnals, musty church basements, and old people. <laughs> For others, it may be more negative than that. The word religion might bring to mind hypocritical, judgmental do-gooders. And maybe it even brings to mind something worse than that. Maybe it brings to mind news stories of scandals, and lawsuits and abuse. Today, a lot of people are really not that interested or in being involved in religion. But I think James wants to correct our perspective because James acknowledges that religion isn't always what it's supposed to be. If you have your Bible open, just look at the verse preceding verse 27, the one right before the one we read. Because in that verse, James writes that religion can be worthless. And those are strong words. But the problem isn't with religion itself. The problem is with our practice of religion. Pure religion, faultless religion, life-giving religion, authentic religion. That kind of religion, the religion that God accepts, it isn't dusty, musty, self-preserving, hypocritical, judgmental, or corrupt. It is this, pure religion goes to the rescue of the most vulnerable people around us. That is why James specifically mentions orphans and widows. Throughout the Bible, orphans and widows are singled out as receiving special concern from God and thus requiring special concern from the people of God. They are the best example in the biblical culture of people who are truly helpless, who through no fault of their own find themselves in desperate circumstances. In Bible times, you see a person's well-being depended upon the protection and the provision of a man, of a father. In fact, a child was considered an orphan even if the child had a mother because it was recognized that a mother could not protect and provide for a child. Widows and orphans haven't gotten themselves into a bind. Who could possibly blame a child for becoming an orphan? And so God not only sees their suffering, 
God steps into the gap that is created by their circumstances. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. But God doesn't expect to do it alone. God instructs those who follow God, those who consider themselves part of God's people, those who sit, do I dare say it? Those who are religious to do the same. Repeatedly in God's law, God instructed the people to care for the needs who couldn't, care for the people who could not meet their own needs. Here's an example from Deuteronomy. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns, may come and eat and be satisfied and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. God clearly instructed God's people to remember the vulnerable, but over and over again, the people failed to do this. And so the prophets offered stern warnings, warnings like this one from Zechariah. And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor, do not plot evil against each other, but they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and covered their ears. What exactly were God's people expected to do? The word that James uses is quite meaningful. In the NIV, it is translated, look after. God's people are expected to look after orphans and widows. Are we supposed to check in on them, see if they're doing okay, take care of them, send a note of concern, maybe bring them a casserole every now and then? Well, yes, but there's more. Because the Greek word that is used here is this word. And I'm not going to say it because I don't know how to say it. <laughs> and it can be translated visit. Not like make a social call, stop over at their house, sit on the porch and have a piece of pie. It's usually translated in scripture to describe God visiting, AKA God coming down here to rescue and to save people. God visited the Israelites when they were in slavery in Egypt and God saw their mercy. God visited Hannah when she cried out in distress over her infertility. God visited Naomi and Ruth, who were widows, by the way, when they were experiencing a famine. Luke tells us that when Jesus came to earth as a savior, God visited his people and redeemed them. In all of these situations, God entered into people's distress and hardship, and God rescued them. God saw their circumstances were overwhelming. It was not their fault. And God was not only filled with compassion, God took action and on their behalf and God visited. 
James doesn't want us to practice a worthless religion. He wants us to show the world a pure and faultless and authentic religion. He urges us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, to talk the talk and walk the walk, to believe in Jesus and become like Jesus, to be a people who demonstrate love on the move, and to not just care about the vulnerable people among us, but to be like God and to visit them, to enter into their lives and rescue those who are powerless. You might say, well, but what about others? There's lots of people who are vulnerable. What about people in nursing homes who have no family? What about those who are homeless? Those who are victims of sex trafficking and abuse, those who suffer from disabilities, don't these people matter to God? Well, Jason Johnson is a pastor who works with Christ the Christian Alliance for Orphans, and he responded to this question, um, and I wanted to share his response with you. James is using widows and orphans as representatives of the most marginalized, disenfranchised, and vulnerable groups of people we come in contact with. He would not say, no, it's only orphans and widows. Instead, I would believe he would say, yes, that's where we go. Those are our people. In essence, James is suggesting that we become the kind of people who move toward, give attention to, those who visit in our world, those who have been outcast, marginalized, and pushed aside the most. And when we do, when we step towards the hard and broken and not away, it puts the heart of God demonstrated in the gospel on display with a vividness and clarity and purity and cleanliness unlike anything else. If we do what James is urging us to do, it's hard for me to believe that the people around us would continue to see religion as worthless. In this season when our buildings are empty, when the practice of religion right now can't be gathering in the sanctuary on a Sunday morning, and yet, as wonderful as that is, and as much as many of us long for that opportunity to return, James reminds us that it is not essential to the practice of religion, because the religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It is rescuing the most vulnerable among us. And we can still do that in so many ways. That's what Dwell is doing. And so I invite you to listen to Jen as she shares with you how Dwell became a reality, how it's making a difference, and how you can become part of this ministry. Dwell is a ministry, basically. Uh, we're a nonprofit that exists to support foster and adoptive families so that children have a safe, loving, forever home in which to dwell. 
Dwell, um, in some ways, launched out of loss. Um, so our family experienced a great loss in the world of adoption. And um, as I was continuing to sort of process that and understand what is this all about, Lord, um, I still felt very called to the world of um, caring for orphans and vulnerable children. Um, but I didn't really know what that was going to look like. I thought I did, and then I didn't. And um, but I still just felt very kind of open to God's plan and God's story for me. And I and I want to say yes to that. And so, um, literally, I started waking up in the middle of the night with dreams of um, how could how could I be more involved? What was this longing? This this sort of yearning to do something more that it wasn't being done um, and at the time I was I was working uh, for another nonprofit um, and I was a foster care and adoption support specialist and so I would you know work with foster families and train them and and then write home studies and match those families with children in the foster care system that were either legally free for adoption which meant that their biological parents' rights had been terminated, um, or they would soon be legally free for adoption. And I also felt still very, uh, very called to help families that were, that felt called to adopt. Um, there's a tremendous financial burden for families that are adopting domestically or internationally. Um, and I can't, I can't change that part. That's a huge legislative thing, but um, I thought maybe, maybe I could do my part to sort of rally the kingdom to help support this this cause. And so I kind of kept waking up in the middle of the night with these ideas and this dream, and um, and I tried to ignore it for a long time because it felt so much bigger than anything I was capable of doing. Um, and but I just kept waking up. And so um, then I was tired. <laughs> and so I started to talk about it then with, uh, with my husband, with Matt, um, and sort of um, reveal this dream, this calling that I was feeling, um, and process through what would that look like? How would that work? How, what do I need to do? Um, and, and so little by little and step by step, uh, I started trusting this that this dream was not just um, of me, that it really was a calling. Uh, and I started to talk to other people about it and say, you know, I have this idea. I don't, I don't see something like this being done in our area. So I started to talk to different leaders in, in the world of child welfare and um, caring for you know, vulnerable kids and asked, does something like this exist? Um, if it does, then I'd really love to come alongside that organization and be a part of that. Um, and I was just met over and over again with, no, nothing like that exists, and please go do that <laughs> sort of thing. And so um, it took a while, like it took about a year and a half of behind the scenes, lots of meetings, lots of prayer and discernment and, um, and being scared, and but doing it scared. It's really hard to be a foster family. Um, it's really hard to adopt. The process is is exhausting, and um, and it can be expensive, and it's 
um, it can be very lonely. It's a really, it's just such an emotional roller coaster. And so because of that, a lot of families will kind of throw in the towel. We're coming alongside foster families and adoptive families and providing a network of support that they didn't have. I would say with, with Joelle, we were looking for resources. Well, Jen really reached out first and said, these are the resources. I'm starting this, Joelle, uh, I'm starting this group. And um, for me, she's like, I have a, a foster um, and adoptive mom support group. And I would love for you to be a part of this. And um, really having that opportunity, I think too, just knowing that we can help other families as well, not necessarily taking in more children ourselves, but um, okay, you're having a fundraiser for care packages and you need people to donate for flashlights. Like, okay, we can do that. So uh, it helps us help others um, as Dwell has helped us. So it's just a way of giving back as well. And we, I think we also know there's resources. Jen is always there, you know, or can connect us with who we need to if we feel like we need more than we than we have right now. We need someone to talk to or we need a flashlight or, you know, someone to talk to about how to handle a situation. I think people are scared to become foster or adoptive parents because they're not sure of the resources that are available and that they are going to be on an island. Dwell gives support to those people that take that leap of faith to um, to be a foster parent or to be an adoptive parent. So knowing that there are those resources there to help, but then also Dwell is giving those resources. They're helping other people realize that there's different ways to support. And I think just educating others is, is huge. Dwell's provided a, a bridge to the community, really. Um, it's been amazing every time Jen needs something, how it's filled twofold. Um, you know, from local restaurants providing, you know, a special deal or, or something where money goes back to dwell to the, the support through churches and things. It's really provided, you know, I think the community's wanted to be a part of the foster and the adoption system, but hasn't known how. Um, and it's really opened up the door for people to be involved. And I think how it's blossoms you know, in, in its short time it's been in existence is a, is a testament to Jen Lake, but it's also a testament to the, the community really wanting to support this. You, you know, you may have heard the term that it takes a village to raise a child, right? Well, I believe that it takes a village and then some to foster or adopt a child. It's tricky. I, I'm finding it's tricky. A lot of people want to physically do something, and, and I hear that and I get that. Um, and we're living in really bizarre times, and so that's not really an option right now. So what are some other creative ways that people can be supportive of Dwell? Um, prayer. <laughs> um, I, we need prayer warriors um, to be praying for the ministry of Dwell, to be praying for the families, the foster families. Um, please pray for uh, children that are in vulnerable situations. Financial support is a big, a big need. Um, probably more specifically, um, monthly sustainers, meaning people that say, um, I see you dwell, I see what you're doing, and um, I have a little extra to give, and I want to do my part. And so they become monthly sustainers. They just give to dwell on a monthly basis. Those people are godsend. They're, they're golden. They're so helpful because 
then we're sort of assured that we have the ongoing resources to keep um, to keep supporting families in the way that we're supporting them. And that's super easy to do. You just go to the website, click donate, and you can you know become a regular monthly sustainer. Clothing. So right now everybody's cleaning out their closets, um, and so if you have you know new or gently used children's clothing. Let me let us know. Um, we just ask that you maybe wash it first because uh, we don't have the capacity to do that, especially under the circumstances. You can um, email us at dwellorphancare at gmail.com or on, just get on the website and click contact. Um, so dwellorphancare.org and we'll arrange to safely come pick it up. I think scripture is clear about our part in caring for orphans and vulnerable children. I don't think it's something that we need to sort of, oh, let me pray about that. Let me pray about whether or not I'm, I'm called to care for orphans and vulnerable kids. Um, we just are. But that looks different for everybody. And so I will never say that every, everyone should foster, everyone should adopt. That's not true. I don't think everybody should foster or adopt. Um, not everybody is called to that, and that's okay. But everybody's called to do something. So we always say, everyone can do something, What's your something? Um, maybe your something is, um, is prayer support. Maybe your something is financial support. Maybe your something is cleaning out your closets and donating children's clothing. Maybe your something, maybe you know a foster family and you can bring them dinner. That's a huge help. Um, we want to help people discover that and then put that into action for dwell, for the sake of, of foster and adoptive families so that children have a safe, loving, forever home in which to dwell.